Every move you, you make, make. <laughs> every step you take, I'll be, be watching, watching you. you. <laughs> Perfect. Hello and welcome to the Socially Intoxicated Awareness Podcast, episode are are? 11. Are we? Episode 11? Oh, right. It was episode yeah. 10 last week. Yeah, right? yeah. Good. Time, time flies. So what? We've been at this for, yeah, for two and a half months-ish. Two years, some might say. Some might say 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. We have been officially uploading content in two years. And what years they've been. Yeah. Amazing time. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for you to just stay quiet. <laughs> yeah. Chirp, chirp, chirp. It was rough. Oh, man. It's not letting up. But we'll be here talking we'll be here. random bullshit. Yeah. As always. As always. Apparently, people like that. They miss the uh, annoying people at the table next to them in the bar. Who doesn't? So, honestly, yeah, exactly. Dude, how many times were we those people? Like during high school, when we, <laughs> we, so we'd go, we'd always go to the same bar, right? And how how often were we like? Did we grab like a three person table in the back room with like eight people and just started <laughs> talking until everyone else left? And what was and great was we'd, we'd text friends who were also in town by chance. So over time, we started with four people at a three person table, and then it was like twelve people over three tables. It, frequently, we took up half of the back room, and yeah. people got very pissed off. But they they always let us back in for even some after, reason, <laughs> even after incidents. Yeah, yeah. Not every night ended uh, well. <laughs> no, was, oh, that was a good place, man. Honestly, anyone, anyone in Germany, check out the well once you can again. Check out the Limes in uh, in Bonn, also known as the Limes. Also known as the Limes amongst us, because when we started going there, we were what anglophilic. Well, yeah, anglophilic youths who thought they were cool, so we call it the Limes. Plus, um, I don't pronounce things well in German so I just assumed it was English because a lime the plural of a lime I figured that was a funny bar oh, oh is it because of I, the plural of a lime that's how I got it like I don't know that's why I assumed it was English because I hadn't heard that in German really to be fair I we, we talked about the limus which is like a Math uh, which thing. was which was a big wall essentially yeah, very putting it very softly putting it very easily was a big wall that kept the Romans out of um, like early Germanic territories during the Roman Empire times uh, oh for, damn right for the time it was built in it was really advanced it had like pillars that were like you know it had like a, a ditch before where you could water in or where uh, people couldn't go through so easily and then it had these like uh, sharpened sticks they put into it so there's no cavalry stuff and that sort of jazz See, that's really funny because the only place i had heard of limes beforehand or limus uh was in math uh, there's a specific symbol called limus in a oh. certain calculation and i figured okay it's either the plural of lime or it's a math symbol bar. And I figured it's maybe more the, the because it's alternative, they they named their bar after a fruit. That's That was my association, hence pronunciation, limes, not limus. Listen, to be completely <laughs> honest, I don't think we ever asked what the actual namesake we was. We did. We did. It's limus. Oh, it's okay. limus. But we, we, we waited for four years or so. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I primarily remember other customers who go there, like other regulars, uh, just like telling us at some point because they kept hearing us say limes. We're like, it's not limes. That's one of the annoying background conversations we had for other people. Exactly. <laughs> God, we, we were such dickheads, weren't we? But we had a good time. And I, I don't think we ever like genuinely offended anyone, you know? No. What 
still stayed with me. This was funny. We were we were there on I, th- I believe it was Halloween or no 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 no. It was not a costume party. It was not a costume party. And do you remember at one point a guy who was like crawling with a leash and like dressed in super S and M fetish clothes? He was guided by his I believe master, and I don't know if it was. I have no idea if it was serious or what, what was going down, but it definitely wasn't a costume party. It was. It was Halloween. That's... I was dressed as a banana. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that still creeped everybody the fuck out. Oh. They, they, they took it a step too far. But... Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I get that. They were really fun, though. They were, um, We did end up uh, having a smoke with them outside. I exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, because I remember because I was dressed as a banana and I was running around with like eating bananas and I was telling everyone I was like, uh, <laughs> Uh, what was I? A cabana, a cabanalist, yeah, a cannibalist. Uh, but uh, eating bananas, it works better in German. Um, a and I started, I started talking to them, and they so they actually had this sort of relationship outside of this, and it, it wasn't a sexual thing for them that night. It was more like a showing off. But the guy, uh, I forgot his name, the the person who was uh, who was the gimp. Um, I hope that's the correct term for it. Uh, the person who was on all fours with the leash, the submissive. Maybe is is that? I mean, I I, I guess pretty submissive. If we have any listeners who know about this sort of stuff, I'm super open to to learning about it. Oh yeah, um, please come on the podcast. Please, It'd be awesome to talk about. Oh, please come on the podcast. And I was gonna say, please flood our Instagram page with uh, <laughs> gim comments. <laughs> yeah, shout out to our seven followers. <laughs> hey, hey, last time I checked, it was four. So yeah, that's something. That's something. Speaking of followers on Instagram, uh, cool story uh, happened in the last two days. Um, we've had a couple uh, small bands follow us, um, our page, and I just reached out to them and said, hey, cool, thanks for following. Um, it'd be cool if you guys came on, just randomly invited them. And uh, this happened two days ago, a band called Club Cigar. And I, I don't know if you got the chance to listen to them yet. I sent you a link earlier. Oh, they and, were the bluesy guys you told me about. Yeah, but like some great different influences mixed into their music. And uh, we, we texted back and forth a little bit. Uh, and they're they're excited to come on or one or two of them would uh, come on that'd be a really neat thing to do because we have no idea who they are and would be the essential reason of why we create this podcast Dude, so exactly. it'd be really dope to just get to know someone uh and and talk about their music and passion um, yeah so for sure. i'm looking forward to that i i think uh, a cool episode will come of that Dude, absolutely. When, you know, because when we started this, I wasn't super sold on the whole guest idea, but I've been having so much fun with it all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd be super happy to and have And I one, realized, I reflected one. back on our last 10 episodes, we've had five guests and like it's oh. really been 50-50. So uh, even though it's not always been um, one like alternate, alternating. Yeah, there we go. Um, but it's been really nice with, with guests. I've really liked that. We should definitely keep that up. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I would, I would, there's so many people I'd love to have on, right? I was, um, uh, just a couple of days ago, I got back in touch with a bunch of the people I went on the European voluntary service with. So that'd be super cool because they spread out to all walks of life, you know? True. And like then if bands get to know us, like genuinely, if, if you're listening to this and you have interesting things to talk about, shoot us a message on Instagram. It can be about uh, SMN, uh, S and M, or about anything really. Or uh, CNN. We, yeah. <laughs> Like, as long as you're not a, like, right-wing radicalist who wants to spread QAnon bullshit here, uh, I'm super happy. However, if you are someone that recently had a breakthrough and left all that behind in a back life, is now trying to make up for it, please do contact us because that sounds like a very interesting story to, um, or in conversation to have. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, fuck racism. Yes. Like, full stop. 
Enough said. So, I discovered a new song today. Uh, to see how long we keep the silence. <laughs> I listened to, like, uh, what, like 10 minutes ago um, with my sister. I was like, oh, she was like, oh, this episode looks interesting. The socially intoxicated ending, just by the title. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, the ending was super awkward. That's kind of why we called it that. And uh, the last five minutes of that episode, you think, okay, it's going to be over in 10 seconds. It's going to be over in 10 seconds. Yeah. And we just always have these, like, 10-second silences. And man, they're so funny, though. Like, I'm not complimenting myself, but maybe I was reacting to Emma's reaction, but like, it's just laughable. And I've gotten yeah. so many comments of people. Maybe we're just a joke. That could be it. But it's, I it entertained even me, the, the, the real awkward silences. So, dude, for sure. Yeah. Listen, about the whole like joke thing, I'm, you know, I obviously I don't want to be a, a joke, you know, but if I, if we make people laugh, then I'm happy, right? This, oh, yeah. we're here to have a good time and to laugh. And if people want to laugh with us, then, your guests right? the opportunity we absolutely laugh laugh about the socially weird moments where it's 10 minutes silence and then there's a sentence and then we sort of all try to hang up usually because we're pretty drunk by the end of these so. <laughs> speaking of i'm back to uh the good old guinness tonight the nice. uh, carbonated version nice yeah uh not gonna lie i'm still hung over from two days ago so. oh you're getting old i am it's terrible um but i'm eating a lot of oranges to make up for it so it should be all right I mean, but dude, you're still spry. I mean, I'm yeah, dude. I can do this. Look, I'm a little older than you. What are you? You're a year and a half older than I am, right? Turning 25 in March. Turning man. 25, yeah. You know what I realized? It is eight years ago <laughs> that I left to go on my high school exchange. No, it's nine years ago yeah. that I left to go on my high school exchange. Nine years ago. It's almost a decade. It's eight yep. years that I, since I came back. Which, like, damn. Yeah. Dude, it, it's weird, isn't it? Um, what ten? What what did I do ten years ago? I was I was probably then in yeah, like eighth grade or something. You know, I I barely had a clue about my own life. Yeah, it's interesting how times go, right? Reflecting on like, you know, times where you were like going through puberty and being emotionally unstable and all that sort of stuff. Not that I'm particularly stable these days, but you know, it's it's such a yeah, observing time is is such a trip. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, 10 years ago, I was in ninth grade, I believe. Yeah, that checks out, right? Because you were a grade above me. Well, 14, almost. 15. Yeah, no, I was in ninth grade. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Sorry, you were going to say? No, it's fine. I was, was going to slightly change topic. I was talking to Daniel, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago um, with the Master Money Boy um, podcast episode. And he was telling me about this game he's playing, which is called Sentinel 13, I believe. And he's saying like, yeah, they do a bunch of time travel and it's so weird after it's essentially like an episodic game. And he was talking about how after every, after every episode, after every encounter, there's a, they bring the timelines they had into, into a relation. And it's so weird to see how time sometimes falls when you're seeing it out of context. And yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, I came. Now I'm going to switch the topic. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> just kind of steamroll over each other. Anyway, that's kind of what this yeah. is. It's people getting more drunk and getting more excited just to yell doing, their own interests. Doing it for six years, six yeah. years, eight years, something. Seven like that. years, eight. Years. Well, yeah, it's been eight years. Yeah, eight years since I came back. So <laughs> that's what we meant. <laughs> Holy shit! But that's cool. We're almost friends for a decade. So there's a different hey. twist on the whole time. That's exactly. awesome. Damn, we've been almost. Wow, that's a long time. 
it is a long time cool cool like that's a positive i gotta figure out i'm pretty sure it's on public record because i remember the when we hung out for the first time um after school and we went to the city such a I'm, story yeah uh, i might not sure, want to tell it might not want to tell it um I'm pretty sure it's on public record what was going on because it was the Weihnachtsmarkt or something, right? Yes. What I'm trying to say is I'm pretty sure we could figure out the exact day we hung out for the first time. Because we talked before and because we're on the same bus, but I remember that day is like the first time we hung out. Yeah, that was the first like outside of school and we hadn't gotten that close at school yet. So that exactly. was the real first. Yeah, that was cool. So I'm pretty sure we could actually figure out like the actual anniversary date for our friendship. I don't remember. Was it a Friday? Yes. It will have. It was after school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I doubt we went out during the week. We. I'm pretty sure it was a Friday or a Thursday, and we had the Friday off. Oh, that could also be. Yeah. Partially also because we met a bunch of teachers uh, at the Christmas market, and they were getting drunk. So. And we joined, and of course, uh, we're also sounding like fucking old people by oh, yeah. trying to tell stories and focusing on when it happened not what it was <laughs> ah. well there, there's well, a particular well it was 30 years ago actually no i think it was july so it must have been 29 years ago <laughs> oh wait no it was uh, right before betsy was born so it must Remember, have been we 1932 didn't have Ju- <laughs> we didn't have a july since 1993 <laughs> it's, it's like, the last, okay. last july we ever had you finding the date is also an exciting story <laughs> Yeah, no, there was a particular reason why I'm not telling why I'm not telling what we did. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. We smoked pot. It, it's in Germany and we shouldn't have. <laughs> well, now you, I didn't. Um, it wasn't pot. It was oregano we bought on a street corner. That makes it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is awkward. <laughs> we can cut it out. Yeah, but we never do. So I know, and we're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, switch the to topics. Um, music. Speaking of music, earlier I thought of—I uh, don't know if you knew—but the Wombats released a new uh, single this year. They're going to bring out an album soon. It's called Greek Tragedy, and it's—it's it's a really good song. I really recommend it to anybody who's kind of into that alternative rock kind of with a pop element to it and that heavy British sound. Um, it's nice. Very uplifting. Dude, for sure. Uh, I mean, we were texting about it today, right? Um, how I how I'd started listening to the Wombats again while doing some work today on a Sunday. But um, yeah, they, they've got such a good sound, right? They do. I don't even know what to call it, but whatever they do, they do really well. You know, the kind of like a bit melodramatic, but at the same time, energetic in a different way, kind of phase pop situation. They do it so, so well, you know, it's such a, such a mood. Well, and with, with like a touch of sarcasm, like the mm-hmm. lyrics, you can really appreciate them. Um, let's dance to Joy Division. The chorus is such an ironic thing. Joy Division is a band from the 80s, early 80s, I believe, and uh well, they had some problems and eventually the singer committed suicide and it ended pretty dramatically. And the chorus of that song is let's dance to joy division and celebrate the irony that everything is going to be all right. Da, 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 da. I'm not going to sing on this podcast, but uh, essentially 
the texts are sprinkled with sarcasm it makes it even more enjoyable and it's just hilarious it's just such a good time and it's the whole band is the brainchild of the singer like he does everything i don't know if you saw this when we saw them live but he plays two keyboards during his set um you know a couple of different guitars obviously sings piano uh as well and uh and then also some beats certain things where he added that recently i don't know if that was at the concert we were at though but it's very impressive absolutely Look, like playing one instrument is already tough enough, you know, like running the show like that. It must be amazing, right? The proficiency mentally and like like being able to like do it physically alone is just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's very unique music too, to some extent, but it's built on very mainstream elements. Uh, but the way they're put together, it's pretty cool. Like very noticeable whenever their music comes on. Like whenever I've played a Wombat song, even though you're terrible at guessing bands and who they are and what the song is called, we've discussed this many times on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> um, you usually get to Wombats within the first two guesses. So it's like, it's pretty good. So props to you for being able to recognize them. If I recognize them, they're recognizable. Does that make them unique or mainstream? Authentic? I don't know. I don't know. Now we come back to is, what is art and is art authentic? Exactly. Um, I would I would call the wombats authentic. Um, just because, ooh, yeah, it's tough, right? Um, I would, yeah. Easiest answer is I'd call them authentic because that's what I think of the music. But then I'm I'm just a guy. Um, I'm not sure if I can make such a judgment. Um, they feel, yeah, they kind of feel a bit pure to me. Um, yeah. 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 I agree. You, you feel connected to it somehow. Like it, mm -hmm. it just see, when you see them live, it really comes across mm -hmm. like on the album, the albums are good. They're clean. They're, they're really well produced. Um, so you're like, okay, studio work, but like live, you can really feel it. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a cool connection. Yeah. I was really surprised. I, uh, for the listeners, uh, we saw them live a couple of years ago for one of our birthdays in Münster in Germany. Yours, I believe it, it was mine, right? Because you drove, which I drove. Means, yeah. 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 Yeah, and that was a long one. That, that was, was one of the longer, ago. and that was we can that was on public record too because the like twelve hours after that concert was right, the, uh, the terrorist car attack. attack. Yeah, yeah, in uh, in Germany, I believe it was yeah. domestic terrorism though. Um, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I remember the. I rem it was a person uh, driving into a crowd with a car, um, with a um, big like LKW. Was it a van? Was it a van? No, an LKW. Okay, a lorry. like a larger oh, damn. What the fuck? The car truck there. lorry, lorry, lorry. British English should be lorry. Yeah, let's go with lorry. I'm good with that. I can't think of the English word, uh, the <laughs> English word, the American yeah. one. Um, I remember because we were thinking about staying the night in Munster. We were so close to booking and, an Airbnb and getting yeah. wasted because uh, because we yeah. met two people at a, at the concert who like invited us to a party and we were like ready to be spontaneous. But then we didn't decide to do it for some reason. No, it was because I was like, I, I want to sleep at home, which is what I usually do. Oh, yeah. It would have, like, I'm happy we didn't. Look, we, we were both at the point where we were saying it's a bad idea to do it. And then we're yeah. kind of like, ah, but should we do it because it's a bad idea? And then the I timing think, wasn't great of it, yeah. I think. We would have been in a rush and it, I think it would have messed us up even more. And oh, yeah, it we potentially would have messed us up even more. We would have, yeah, we would have had to be in back home quite early the next morning or so. something was there yeah not particularly important no. um, but yeah we, we ended up not staying and then i remember driving you drove uh down the a1 in germany which is a terrible terrible road to drive on uh and you hated it <laughs> dude 
I had like two Red Bulls, a coffee, you know, yeah. matchsticks to keep my eyes open. Yep. Um, it was, but it was memorable and it was oh, really cool. Very, very it was such cool. a good concert. Like yeah. that's for me, that's in the good storybook. That's not a bad story. That's a, yep. that's a good, and think about it. When we went to Amsterdam to exactly. see uh, 30 seconds, to 30 Mars, seconds that was to also Mars. a similarly long trip. I think yep. Minsta was maybe only like 20 minutes longer each way. Not even, not even. They were, they were within a 20 kilometer range uh, driving wise. So like it was, time. it was yep. really close and obviously nights, the traffic is nothing. And in Germany, you can drive a bit faster too. Um, but you drove the whole way, like there and back, so that was I also was rough. rough. I, I I know how you feel because of that experience. <laughs> but I remember um, at some point, I when when I get tired, I can't like talk to people anymore. I need to focus exclusively on the road. And I remember at some point, I got so tired, I could only focus on one thing, and that was staying on the road. I couldn't even like read street signs anymore. It was it was stupid to keep driving, right? But we were middle of the motorway, middle of nowhere. It was winter. Um. So yeah, I, I kept driving and I just focused on the road, just like not reacting to anything but the road. And eventually we got home. It was not winter. It was like on my birthday, March 20th. Oh, it was on your birthday, wasn't it? That's actually right? technically the last day of winter, the first day of spring. So you're pretty, it was pretty cold. It was yeah, pretty cold yeah, as well. Pretty cold. Very true. Very true. It was good times though. Yeah. Jump, of, jump. Um... I'm tired of jumping, Jared. <laughs> I don't want to jump up, Jared. anymore, Jared. <laughs> Shut up, Jared. You're not jumping. You jumped, Jared. Oh, For reference, 30 Seconds to Mars to us was a little um, disappointing, I guess, live. Yeah, underwhelming. Underwhelming, yeah. Not disappointing, but a little also different to our expectations. They played in the Ziggo Dome in Amsterdam, and they had a square in the middle of the hall. So they were surrounded by fans all around. So it made the show a little more complicated in terms of where the dynamic was just different. Um, and they played a lot more of their newer songs. It makes sense. Their latest album, America, was pretty good. I like I liked a lot of it. But Toby and I are big fans of the early stuff, and that's uh, that's a lot more infused with like harder elements, hard rock elements. Uh, and they also fired their guitarist before coming on this tour, mm -hmm. which really sucked. So they did not have a live guitar there. And then Jared Leto was consistently just yelling at everybody to jump. So at some point we were yep. just so tired. We were like, no, Jared, we don't want to jump anymore. Yep. Fuck you, Jared. It was, you it jump. Was so weird because it, the, the place was maybe half full too. So, you know, we, we were standing, depending on where we'd stand after, before or after grabbing a beer um, or grabbing something, a bite sweet or something, we'd come back and we'd be at the back of the crowd and there'd just be like 20 meters of open space behind you. And he'd go, jump, everyone, jump. And you kind of jump, but there's no one behind you. So you kind of have to jump forward. It was, it was a bit weird. <laughs> I remember and he came on stage um uh he came on stage in a what, what are they called in a sombrero not in a sombrero uh no he was wearing some some kind of weird hat right that didn't yeah yeah the, like the a band three musketeers center. hat kind of thing I yeah like that feathers on it yeah and like he starts playing with it and it seemed like it was meant to be a really big piece of his set and all that and he just he never nothing ever happened <laughs> he didn't take it up nothing. no it was just for show and then he th it was like a it started like a strip show, man, because the the four big parts of the monitor that were yeah. going to be above it, they, they were folded up, around right? the stage and then they lifted up to like really dramatic music, which was really cool. Like it looked yeah. awesome. Uh, they played the song Monolith to it, which is the first track off the America album and it fit perfectly. Uh, it's just an instrumental, as you heard. But then Jared Leto spent like the next minute just fooling around with his clothes and basically changing. Mm -hmm. and th that was pretty funny. 
what was really good is uh, during the during the show, I think someone in the audience fainted, and you know uh, they they stopped the show. They made sure they're all right. You know, um, it seemed yeah, it seemed caring. It was nice. And yeah. The, well, and, sorry. Continue. I was just going to say, and the beginning and the end of the show were the best things about it. Not the end, not because it ended, but the end because um, it was they did a a thing on Dutch radio where you could send in a sample of you playing guitar. And if the best person was chosen to perform live on stage with uh, Jardetta and the, the rest of the band. And so for the last two songs, they had a guitarist. <laughs> so suddenly the songs got a lot better. Man, they were amazing. All of a sudden, like it, it was, I, I don't think it was that, it was like a kid, I think. 15 yeah, some year random old kid something. off the streets, yeah. Uh, and it was amazing. And he nailed it. And yeah, absolutely. They should have given him the whole concert, man. Why didn't they, yep. like, I, they must have practiced with him. Oh, so like, come on, I, I would have really liked that. Um, what what I was going to say, what was a cool element on that concert as well, which I hadn't seen before that live that much, apart from with Billy talent, where the audience just starts to chant stuff and they then engage with them because they're like a really cool live band. They engage with their audience a lot. Jared Leto with a lot of the songs like Kings and Queens, um, is one song where there's a lot of, uh, almost choir elements in the background and he tried to replicate it live with the audience, which was a really cool experience to be a part of, honestly. Um, but you're not really a spectator to the show then you're kind of part of the song and it takes away the live performance what I thought but I thought it was a cool element and I really appreciated what he did so like Mm -hmm. that I thought was cool I just didn't like it that much or I would have liked to see a live performance of the audience afterwards of that song Mm -hmm. um, in total yeah fair enough I mean I always found it so interesting right because I remember on the way there we realized that you were introduced to Jared Leto with 30 seconds to Mars, right? And I, while I knew it was 30 seconds to Mars, I had never known Jared Leto, the, the actor, which is who I knew, uh, was, yeah. the, <laughs> was the guitar or was the singer there. So on that way there, you know, we, we'd been friends already for like, what, four, five, six years? Some, some stupid number like that. Yeah, six years it would have been. And on the way there, I was like, yeah, by the way, I, I never knew the guy from Fight Club was in this. And you go, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You know, Paul, Paul Allen from American Psycho is performing live on stage tonight. <laughs> Let's see Paul Allen's card. Let's see crazy. Paul Allen's podcast, honestly. The Joker. The Joker, yeah. yeah or a Joker. Of... Some people's Joker. The that new generation's went, Joker. That kind of went downhill, didn't it? Although, I, you know, obviously it's a bit over the top, but I, I didn't mind that generation s- of the Joker. I have to I say, I liked okay. his look better than Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, it was a lot more direct, wasn't it? A lot more crazy. Well, and like with the face tattoos and the like suit and like, I don't know, the, the whole thing, the that was, that would have been cool with Heath Ledger's, like that Joker's actual character and stuff. Fair. But the look, I'm just talking about the look. Yeah. The look See, was the, dope. The thing is, I, I agree. The look was pretty cool. I, the thing is like Heath Ledger, he's, Jesus Christ, Heath Ledger's Joker was a lot more competent, right? Heath, Le- Heath Ledger's Joker, I can't say it, um, was there to get a job done. You know, he was there to fulfill a role that actually accomplishes something. And then uh, Jared, uh, Jared Lito's uh, Joker was there more like to be a device for the plot. He wasn't there to actually really achieve anything. He was just there to show up and do something. So I feel like that's a big part of it, right? So that's why we have shots of, of Jared Leto's Joker just sort of lying in a sea of knives, which it, that probably took someone two hours to arrange just for him to sort of lay there. 
you know, no one does, who does that in real life, you know, even if you're a, like psychotic weirdo. Um, whereas Heath Ledger's Joker, every scene he was in, he was doing something with an ultimate goal of it. So like storytelling perspective, he was much more a villain, oh, yeah. whereas the Joker in, in the newer movies is more like a, a device to support the rest of the cast kind of in doing their stuff. Like when he saves Harley Quinn, these sort of things, right? He isn't there because he has the ultimate goal of being part of the plot. He's just there so that Harley Quinn at the end isn't shot. Basically. He's a good, he's a good add-on. Yeah, but, but then again, the the Joker, the Joker, the movie with uh, Jake Horn Phoenix, that was a completely different Joker. Yeah, again. very different approach. I yeah. mean, and I think otherwise Jared Leto would have played him, right? Did that uh, break down first, or was it different? Are there overlapping movie rights? I wouldn't know. No idea. I'm not. I that know the, big involved. the movie, the Joker, the most recent one with Jaqueline Phoenix. Um, is not part of like the DCEU. I'm pretty sure it's also different people producing it. Someone, someone will know better than I will. But yeah, I think so too. Much, much different, right? Um, movie rights belong to two different. The the interesting thing there is in the newer um, in the newer Joker movie, the Joker is is the protagonist, right? Um, whereas before he was antagonist at best. Uh, here he is like genuine protagonist. He's he's the hero. Um, and he's portrayed as a hero, even though he is doing villainous acts, which is really interesting, right? I always find that complex. That's it's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a it's an interesting thought, right? Even in these times going on, is is someone who does unlawful things, um, but for a relatable reason, or as like a hero of the people, because he starts a revolt in a town that is socially at the brink of of revolt, anyways, right? Um, he's the hero to the people, sort of, even though he incites riots, even though he does very unlawful things, he kills people. Um, but we're, you know, the people he kills are like portrayed as like elitist assholes. So as the audience, you're meant to be like, okay, you're meant to be like, oh, this is reason. Well, sort of understand the reason behind it or empathy. You, you kind of get empathy from the yeah, audience. You're meant to empathize with, with the Joker. And I, I find it very, very interesting. Um, like is, you know, is the person who does something that isn't lawful for a good cause are they still are they are they a hero and i'd say it depends on the laws and it depends on the it depends acts on the people and yeah. the acts you i mean you see this in every movie where like every superhero movie at some point is a vigilante right before before they get like superhero status they're a vigilante yeah. and part of their story and arguably superheroes are also vigilantes right yes yes but but it's all and every act and often the they have like spider-man often has like this okay did he go too far or was it enough you see it in, like even in the incredibles disney with mm -hmm. iron man you see like is this too far is this too much in uh, avengers it gets detailed a lot they even bring in some political aspects which i thought was cool with the sokovia accords that were eventually drawn up to like limit their powers or to, to control it to some extent but they every superhero starts as a vigilante and then it's act by act based and you can do a thousand good ones and one is bad and you're, you're a villain. So and it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it, it like, it's always a new question with every single time you don't have a history. The history doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's such a, such an interesting thing. There's a great book series. Uh, they're called superpowers by uh, Dre, uh, Dre, by Drew Hayes. Um, <laughs> Dre, the Scott, Dr. We, Dre of authors. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Scott, this is the, the universe where um, I wrote the fan fiction I told you about for. Oh, right. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, or still do. Um, and they're fantastic, right? He's sort of trying to explore 
um, a superhero-based society, a superpower-based society where a more realistic hero system is in place. And, you know, you, you have chapters about the boring insurance work, you know, and about the regulatory aspects of it. And, you know, being a superhero doesn't make you lawful. It doesn't mean that the lives you change for the worse and trying to do something for the greater good will be compensated, you know. Like Absolutely. Spider-Man being slammed through a wall, through a brick wall by Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2. 27 times. Like, the family that happened to will probably have to pay for that wall. Or Spider-Man. He'll probably be sued. Oh, there's a, there's a joke there about Spider-Man being sued, isn't there? Like about it being a web or ah. I can't figure it out. He's being hit with a web of lawsuits. Yeah, see, that's that's sort of the direction I was going with. I was like, ah, does that check out? No, it doesn't. Ow. It's not that funny. No, it's not. Some people will get it. Uh, text us if you chuckled or uh, in any way LOL'd. <laughs> <laughs> Comment hashtag LOL. <laughs> Man, we shouldn't be inciting people to lie. <laughs> Oh my god, it'll get the, the activity going. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm happy. Maybe we should post this on Parlor. Maybe we'll get some followers. What's It'd be Parler? hilarious. Parlor is like the uh, racist Twitter. The, <laughs> the right wing Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it's like where all the Trumpians and QAnon people and everybody. It's where a lot yeah. of the riot insight team. To be fair, we were just talking about rationalizing the Joker in the new Joker movie as a as a hero. You know, and rationalizing causing riots as a good thing. So hmm. hey, maybe maybe it will maybe it, it will hit the spot with the uh, you know instructionists and uh, QAnon. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Bueller. Bueller. No, you don't seem to be getting that joke. Oh well. I mean, I know the movie. Yeah. The movie. Movie. Ooh. Yeah, so I got to finish my my case for tomorrow. We're doing, we're talking about uh, head and neck squamous cell cancer, which is quite interesting, and imaging modalities that can, yeah, be used to um to stage it to assess it. It's an interesting topic, but what I was actually trying to get at is um I, I saw my grandparents a couple of days ago, and we were talking about about <laughs> great medicine. segue, great segue. No, but it'll make sense in a second. <laughs> I seen my grandparents a, sec uh, a couple of days ago and um, we were talking because they still think I'm a doctor and I'm going to be a doctor because, <laughs> because you do a PhD sometimes, you know, and I'm aiming to do a PhD and they're like, oh, a doctor. And what's biomedical um, sciences? Exactly. Um, anyway, so we were talking about why with the imaging modalities they were using, they couldn't see uh, my grandpa's nerve, which has been damaged in his leg, the pioneal nerve. And I brought up some uh, MRI images and I started showing them a couple of things and why we probably wouldn't be able to see it. And I realized it is impossible. It is absolutely impossible to explain things to grandparents. Yeah, my, my grandparents don't know what I do. And I can even explain it in German now because the first year I was working just in English and now yeah. I'm working in German. And I could even tell them in German, but nope. Yeah, it's... It, they don't it's remember startled. either. They don't remember. It's like every new time they still think you're in school. I think that's why it, that's my, that might be it because they still see you as a kid. Yeah. They always will. Yeah. It's, 
it was it was such an eerie moment, right? Because in high school, when I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd tell them about what we learned and it was really cool, and they uh, they seemed to be getting it, right? And then then this time around, I was explaining to them the granted MRI is ridiculous, way too complicated, but I was trying to explain to them like the basics of it, you know, like yeah, you can't see it because the resolution you get with the device isn't small enough to be able to display it. It wouldn't be able to see the differences between signals, blah blah blah. And they look at me like that's that's out of context. That's actually ununderstandable. Fair. They had context though, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it was just so pure because the, you could see that they were trying and they were really proud that I was able to tell them something they didn't understand. But at the same time, it's like I could have said anything and they wouldn't have understood this. It was very pure. Um, it, it made me appreciate a lot of like you know being in a community where, yeah, like. Everyone knows about complicated things, so you can just use one term that then everyone knows instead of to having to explain everything. You should next time insert this into your explanations. Oh, and uh, you know the rate is pretty good that somebody doesn't get hurt from the race. It's like only one in twenty, and uh, because I'm part of the course and I work a lot with it, I get a lot of MRIs, and I've had about eighteen done, and nothing has happened to me, so I think I'm invincible. <laughs> or no, you say like twenty-one. I've had twenty-one MRIs, and to see if that rings a bell, if they that startles them, it'd be pretty funny. Yep. I mean, <laughs> I mean to be fair. <laughs> Um, yeah, easy statistic the, to fit in. One of the professors at um, at one at the institute or one of the institutes in Maastricht did go on record saying uh, at some point, like, if you can explain your science to your grandparents, then you know you're at the level where you can go to a conference with it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, science to grandparents. That should be a whole, that's a whole new niche market for like uh, education apps and stuff. Oof. I mean, honestly... It's, it's either or, right? If kids get it, then grandparents can probably get it. Or if grandparents can get it, then probably kids can get it. The latter. Absolutely. Mm. Mm -hmm. Kids are fresher. They have fresher minds. They have the advantage in learning. So also, I think you have to use different methods, although they're probably similar. Oh, that's interesting. What makes you say that? Or what, what kind of method difference would you think? So a kid is more like a blank canvas in terms of teaching it stuff, right? Mm -hmm. While a grandparent has a lot of experience and bias that comes into learning something. So for me, I think that for older people in general, that's why it's easier to learn uh, instruments when you're young or speak languages, etc. And mm -hmm. it's way the older you get, the way harder it is. So I, I think it's also based off bias and experience and habits, and it's hard to break habits because if you have 50, 60 years of uh, just doing it this way, then it's going to be hard to just flip it. It's a, that's that's very such an interesting thought, right? Yeah, with a kid, you're you're with a kid when you're teaching it something, it's seeing it for the first time, right? You have to convince a kid that something it can see or something you teach it is really there. You have to convince it that that it can now see it, right? Whereas with a grandparent or with someone who's lived a lot of life, you know, um, you rather you have to convince them that this thing that exists fits into their worldview, that it was always there. Yeah, exactly. That's very oh, that's that's such an interesting thought. It never I never visualized. Especially never like like grandparents, they were there before. Like we live in a super capitalistic world, but grandparents often still have these crazy like 
World War II experiences. Yeah. And it's such a different world where it's like simple life and just live for yourself and your family and look out for young and, you know, just get what you can. There's, that's like the most average grandparent story, really. And now there's technology and whole new devices and communication goes a whole new way. The internet happened, like all that stuff, right? Like they were the there before. like us were... suddenly have a platform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like food gets delivered with, a th- like you can get, you can pay for your food on your phone or on your watch, on your watch now. Uh, you can just speak to something and order food. You have stuff delivered by drones, by planes that are mini and not even piloted think about that that's it's crazy so like if you have all that beforehand as a kid you just don't know anything so you whatever you're learning is the new basis the new standard but if you have a standard it's hard to break a standard yeah that's a good summary of my argument there you go argument summarized do you agree or do you disagree or what would your perspective be no i think i agree so that's Um, why i think there's different you'd have to use different learning methods to get back on the topic mm -hmm. of what i said initially it was very interesting. I was, I was on Reddit today and I was reading um, a teacher had um, made a long post um, talking about how the new online education in Germany was, yeah, didn't, didn't really work out as, as people expected, right? And he was talking about how a lot of kids uh, going into it sort of expected themselves to be really good at it, um, but weren't or didn't end up being good at, good at doing online education just because the habit that you have, even if you're used to them from a young age with electronics and electronic devices doesn't translate to using uh, teaching apps, doesn't translate to using teaching no. devices online. Not at all. Right. Because you can, you can grow up using a tablet, but using an interface on a communication app on a laptop is very, very different. And yeah. apparently it's not so that, yeah, but it, it was something I hadn't thought about, right. The fact that uh, someone summarized it very smartly. Uh, I'll try, I'll probably butcher what, what they said, but uh, someone said a very smart thing, which is, um, we're paraphrasing. It, paraphrasing, yeah. Um, educationally, when it comes to electronics, we're still at the same place we were 20, 30 years ago. You know, just people only know the things they use habitually and nothing else. You know, people have used the computer for 30 years and they don't know nothing about how the internet works or how their computer works. They know the habits they have with it. They know how to use it for the things they, they use it for. Yeah. But there's no deeper knowledge. And I thought that was that was very, very smart, right? Because I didn't sit down with it. I know how to use the things and I'm good at getting used to new things. But, you know, with what you said, kind of like breaking a perception of something is really, really tough, you know, because there's an open mindedness that comes with it or like a stubbornness and like comfort to or like basically leaving your comfort zone. And I think everybody's radius of how far they explore and how far they go. But everybody has a limit at some point where it's like, oh, uh, not sure how to do that. And it, it starts with when you download a new app you don't know how to navigate it often it's very similar to most other apps so you learn really quickly because it's similar to your habit but if you download a new game it has completely different controls you have to learn it first and if some people continuously play the same two three games and others uh get new 10 apps every day just to check out different games there was a fun thing there in, in the same conversation that i was talking about which is um most not that one are... of the two is bad to do, by the way. I'm not like criticizing one. I'm just no, saying that's like no. it shows the habits we have. Yeah. No, it was super interesting, right? Just because the thing with like most apps you would download in a Play Store or something, you know, most most apps you would use for normal life, they're made to be user friendly. It was it's so clear, right? But I hadn't considered it that way. They're made to be user friendly. You, if you're good at being using something that is user meant to be user friendly, 
you're not particularly good at it. They are good at it. The app was good at it. The app was well-designed. You don't have any technical prowess because you're able to use a user-friendly app. Or you aren't able to then apply that to a non-user-friendly app or to a more complicated app just because you're able to use the easy thing. Basically, that's what all, I mean, and all of us or most people can't program. Absolutely. So <laughs> we work like our PCs are user interfaces, right? They're all designed to make everything look easier. But initially, computers were just numbers and letters on the screen and just codes and command. And it was ugly output, but no color, no nothing, right? Just just letters, like a typewriter almost, just putting out letters. And that's that's most people can't go that far to when they just see code to interpret the whole website. That's yeah. uh, like Josh can do that, my younger brother, and it's amazing. And, you know, he can write his own shit, uh, which is awesome. But like, I have not explored that far. I've done like minimal programming, but like, that's another example of it. And the older you are, the tougher it is. So like, there's another example of it. And I think, I wonder how would you structure a learning method for um, people with lots of years of experience? My dude, I can't give you an exact answer. All I can tell you is I'd probably try to phrase it around applying known ideas or known knowledge and applying it to whatever you're trying to teach them, right? Um, I'd, I'd imagine it'd be a lot more about rationalizing something new in a way where they understand it. I say this because the way we taught my grandma to, to text people is by telling her it was essentially the radio, but in text form. And what she typed, someone read out to the computer and then the computer wrote it down and sent a radio signal to our computer. And then someone reads it out there and puts it on, on screen. Yeah. You know, I, I'd, I'd probably structure it around that way, you know, trying to, as, as, I, as you said, right, you, you have to convince someone that this new thing is really, is, is there. And so I think the easiest way might be through kind of telling them it was already there. They already knew it. It's just a new way of applying it. How, I, what, what would you do? I think a main difference would be with uh, kids. There's a mass production way of structuring education. Um, obviously, I would say old, like older people with lots of life experience are more individual than young kids, like fresh off learning on a learning basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, you've had your entire life to become more individual. Exactly. So I think you would have to structure education to more subjective, like categorize it a bit more. Um, obviously, you, op optimally, you do t one teacher, one person, and then you can like completely subjectify it. But it has to work in, I think, smaller groups or more like quite a few categories to be able to um, bend similar education methods into different categories because you have to apply it differently to different examples of uh of your past experiences and past biases that's kind of what i think one difference would be and i'm not saying that because at the same time when i'm hearing it i'm thinking also when you're young you're way more inspired and naive and just not influenced by outside as much so you're way more individual then and not consistently grouped and and, and like categorized by society basically over your many years so there's an argument to say the vice versa thing but i think in terms of education it that's a different thing that's not really your character interesting so, yeah it's, 
I don't know if that's hypocritical or contradictory. Contradictory. Well, I mean, you could make the argument for for any of our points, right? It could. It could obviously it could be the other way, but we're we're not educated in this. If anyone has any knowledge of this and uh, would like to come on the podcast, please text us on Instagram, and we would love to have this conversation. I, I mean, think I we've reached the end of that, our knowledge. <laughs> I, I, I know a couple of people who study teaching and uh, German term is pedagogic. Um, you know, like the, the science of, of conveying knowledge, these sort of things, and of teaching younger people. That would be interesting. Yeah. You know, a lot of things can, interestingly, we become closer and closer to children the older we get in a way. <laughs> you know, not, not just with like, obviously, like uh, physically and what how many things we can do by ourselves but you know what what you said kind of made me think of it when you're a kid you know you're much less influenced but at the same time you're also more easy to influence and i'd say as an elderly that would probably that be similar argument right no that makes the argument that's you put your finger on the nail there finger on the nail, hammer on the nail i don't know yeah um there's a nail there's a finger maybe there's a hammer we don't know no, because kids are so much more impressionable and open to being impressioned. Like they, they want to learn or they're more open to or to being influenced. Let's put it that way. I don't way. know, dude. I knew you I knew you, you in high school. I don't think can, kids are <laughs> you can more uh, interested in learning. Yeah, in high school though, but early years, right? Um but they're more impressionable. So you can structure education more on a mass basis and have more success than doing that with older people who are already more in their ways and have and are you know stubborn and have their habits yeah so that's i think what fulfills the argument sorry i didn't want to cut you off you it's I fine. Was inspired no it, it's a it's a very interesting point right there's a difference and a subtle difference in all these things agreed um i found the post it is on r slash de uh, by user groom 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 and uh yeah i was reading it today while procrastinating to do some uh, uni work. And I thought it was, yeah, inspired. It was very interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Good reference. Send me the thing and I'll put it in the comments as a little shout out. Eh. Sure thing. Speaking Ooh. of uh, popular Reddit streams. <laughs> 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 I can't believe what we a had segue. a conversation about it. Reddit without talking about this first. <laughs> that was amazing. Good job. Um, yeah, so GameStop is apparently a, I think, what, $20 billion company now? Hmm. Uh, at least that's their market cap. And uh, I, holy cow, just because of what... And it, okay, um, do you want to summarize what's going on? Uh, I think you with your two economics degrees are much is much better suited to that. Yeah, okay, great. Because finance was my best subject. Don't you work um, in finance now? I do. I do. Uh, this is a stock market, though. So basically what's going on, not that people just Google it, you'll find out. Put this on pause for, you know, 15 seconds, Google what's going on. But basically, uh, on Reddit, there was a hype that everybody should buy really low valued um, options. And these options, uh, you can basically short them or long them. You can have rights to buying or selling uh, a stock of a certain company. That's what options are. And there's large head funds, large companies on Wall Street that offer these and consistently bet on these low price stocks because they don't think they're going to go well. 
like retail stores are going out of business consistently. So they um, think their value is going to go down in the long run. Um, so a lot of people on Reddit said, okay, great. So we'll buy all these uh, options to um, purchase, or I don't even know which ones, but basically the counter. Um, and if everybody does this together on a really large scale, it'll drive up the value and they'll definitely get the money. So it's basically revolting against the institutions in some way. And it's, it's crazy. And now all these Wall Street people are completely complaining and the federal government is investigating it. And it's, uh, it's essentially the same game they're playing. They just don't like to be manipulated. I mean, it's just a different person or a different group manipulating them. So it's kind of funny. I think I explained it well. Uh, I probably didn't, but I think that was a good summary for for the average Joe. I mean, listen, much bigger media outlets than us are, are on this, right? They can. Yeah. They can so again, better. please go Google this and just read it for yourself. I, I think I got it halfway accurate. Yeah, I think so too. Basically, a different group is now manipulating the market that a larger group has been doing, and the larger group is pissed off at it and crying about it. Yeah, I mean, predominantly because they lost a bunch of money, as I understand, and it right? because when they when they purchased those stocks, yeah. they were and they were essentially wanting to go down. They went up instead, and now they have to repurchase them, or they have to pay them off at much higher price per stock, or something. Exactly. Exactly. They lose a lot of money. They almost drove a hedge fund, a really large hedge fund, completely out of business. Like, it had a really large effect. The stock within, I think, last year in April, it was worth $2 or even less than $2. And it hit $500 like the other day. Wow. It's gone up so high. It's amazing. And the two like co-founders or so, the, the two main biggest owners, they're worth $2 billion now. It's crazy. It just shot up. Interesting. Thing is, what what you reckon is the stock going to be going down again? Is that because it, it can't? It is it is it a price change that it doesn't reflect the the company, right? So, well, it's either it's either all the people who bought stock through Reddit are they they're probably going to be wanting to sell it, which drives the price down again. I assume I have to add something to my options explanations. Uh, I just wanted to recall this options are you, you, it's not an endless bet. It's up until a certain date. Mm -hmm. And at that date you can cash in or you, you do cash in and you can cash in beforehand. So it's like a, it's a, a range time when it's um, when you're basically betting on it. And they did this in the short term where it's not going to last that long. It's already time limited thing. Uh, there are different length options, though, obviously. So you can buy all kinds of ones. But it's more of a short-term thing because it's a hype and then it's going to get investigated. And, and he, like, But it's going to get a lot of attention. So I think in general, it's going to probably be higher than $2 for quite a while. And there's nothing to legally really stop them from doing this with a bunch of other stocks. Hmm. So unless a lot of people now start selling their stock, then that obviously like a lot, like significant amounts. I'm talking about like really, 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 really quarters, a quarter of the whole stock or something, then that will really trash the price. Yeah. I think if again, look, Google it. I don't know. But then again, who, no one was expecting for people to suddenly start buying them. So no one can be expecting uh, everyone to start like not suddenly sell them. Yeah. Why not? I don't know. And then like Elon Musk tweeted the Reddit stream. So it shot up in more like Elon Musk, the richest man in the world. 
So everybody's even yeah, more happy. that happen. The Tesla stock also rose, right? Holy cow. I mean, Tesla's a cool company, but they're they're so over. I mean, they're going to be dominating because the world is switching to electric vehicles before it goes to the next best thing because electric vehicles don't work in the long run. Because it's just mining and draining the water sources of a bunch of different countries where they mine for the metals, for the batteries. So it's not the super sustainable solution. So they're going to be a powerhouse for quite a few decades. But it just shot up. I mean, unreasonably high. He he made, I think, $120 billion or $100 billion almost in the last like year and a half. I, yeah. I mean, it's got to be a bubble, no? Like, I'm, okay, I see you're chewing right now, but it's it's. Look, I I don't I don't know I don't understand much about this, right? It's not my field of expertise, but it's it's got to be a bubble, right? The the amount of money behind these stocks, I I do, is it sustainable for the company to actually carry such a large worth, or is it more going to be at some point? The com- because there's there's been a lot of things going on around Tesla in the past few years where, you know, they were announcing things, not uh, delivering them. Um, the cars aren't meant to have the build quality that they're promised, these sort of things. What do you think? I don't think it's... Well, it's, stocks are basically always betting on what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And essentially, that's it's always a bet on their potential, often. Um, potential threats, potential opportunities, potential risk, or that the the percentage of what's going to happen, right? The the opportunity. Um, and Tesla has a bright future, and the biggest concern always was their supply chain and their production. But dude, they built a complete production factory in one year. The first shovel on the ground and opening the factory one year. Mm-hmm. That's insanely fast. No one does that. Um, so they've really shown the, at least the investors that they're capable of, you know, mass production. Um, they could be a special case, honestly, but because it's not happening to everybody, it's only happening to the tech giants that are consistently there and taking advantage of the new world with COVID. So they've really benefited off it. And Tesla is separate though, because they're just more sustainable than other companies. Amazon's just shot up because people are more dependent now on it, which is nice. But um, so I think it's not really a bubble, but it's dangerous because it's giving few people a lot of you know power. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, any of these multi, yeah, many, many billion, approaching trillion dollar people companies yeah you know when you're approaching the point of like the the income of an entire country or far outshooted in some cases you know that's unreasonable amounts of power unreasonable amounts of money of worth because it's not it's not the same as fluid money as i understand but no because you can't liquidity is a question how available is your cash at immediate like need yeah. Sometimes, like you have money wrapped up. Um, Jeff Bezos doesn't have the opportunity to directly sell all of his stocks and get all of his money. Yeah. That's just not how it works. So, um, 
some cash is easier to come by than others. Houses, you can't just like sell houses immediately. Yeah. They don't turn into cash. So uh, that's kind of how it works. But it's unreasonable and it's dangerous. Uh, but again, if there's anybody here who uh, has uh, some expertise in finance and wants to come on and talk about this craziness with GameStop and potential threat to what's going to happen, maybe we have a talk a little bit about Bitcoin and it's uh, like well, Dogecoin, last no? five years. Dogecoin is the, Dogecoin. Big, <laughs> the hot new thing right now. It's not new. It's been around. Yeah, no, but it's it's shot up recently, right? As far as I understand. Oh, really? I did not I see so. that. Interesting. I think it doubled in worth or something. It mm. still isn't a lot, but yeah. Cool. That's something. I mean, it's all about hype, right? It's all about, it's like a religion. The more followers you have, the more powerful you are. Which is weird, right? Yeah. I mean, how, it's it's something I've realized only only during studying is how literally all these things where you're like, oh, this is like a science, you know, this is a calculatable thing. This is a thing of expertise and proper knowledge. It's all about hype. It's all about how much people believe you and believe in you and in the things. It's, yeah, it's quite, quite I mean, interesting. No, 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 no. It's a cool technology, blockchain and its potential. It's all true. And its potential value is all true. But is it is its value really that? Like, the value is all based on hype. That's, no, that, that's what I mean, wants. right? Yeah, yeah. The, the but it's limited to that because the, the technology, six- it might still be great. Like Tesla, uh, sorry, yeah, Nikola Tesla invented what some what a, a different light bulb. I don't know. He had a different invention, different way of uh, transmitting electricity. Electricity. There we go. And uh, they didn't take his, but it was still a really good invention. So that wasn't as hyped. <laughs> what a great, terrible recounting of that story. Yeah, I think we've been on for an hour. Shall we call it? Just because you've been... I don't know what you're fucking eating, but you've been eating away at that quesadilla or something for the past 10 minutes. And I don't know how much more of it there is, to be honest. Sorry, it's a pizza. <laughs> Which is fun, because I also had pizza for dinner, but before the podcast, not during... Because I was like, I, I don't want to eat no, this No, I during. waited on it for like 20 minutes, and then it was getting cold, so I wanted to have a piece. I had a piece. <laughs> I'm sorry. No stress, no stress. I'm sorry. I did want to talk about one more thing, though. Yeah, um, go on. I played the uh, Legend of Dritz today with uh, my mom and my um, brother and sister. It's a Dungeons and Dragons board game. And uh, having played the rounds uh, with you, which is the traditional way, where you really role play and... Um, well, it's, the, it's the popular thing, right? The popular way, I guess. The, the board games are pretty new. But you basically, you know, act it out a bit more and it's com- completely more imaginative and it's not like a, a board game in front of you. So we played this version and I realized it's way more limited in its in its uh, opportunities. Like you're way more guided by the cards and I don't know, I didn't appreciate it as much. So I really appreciated being creative about it uh, when we play together because of simple things like the one game, uh, there was all those gnomes or dwarfs or elves. Oh, the gnomes, yeah. yeah. And me as a huge elephant, I was like, uh, Toby, could I maybe, you know, uh, charge at them with my huge elephant head uh, into the room and then jump out of the first floor through the wooden uh, wall? And Toby was like, well, yeah, give me an athleticism check. <laughs> I don't know. You can't do we that had, in a board game. 
we had the imagery of a giant Loxodon elephant person running into a sea of a couple of dozen gnomes, a communist manifesto gnomes, by the way, who were trying to escape a, uh, what, are, what are they called? Uh, are the, uh, the people who protect Baldur's Gate. I should know, I run them every week. Um, bronze Fist, whatever. Uh, running through them and fucking squishing them apart, throwing them around. It was very fun. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, the history of D&D a bit is it started as like a, you know, by people who wanted to play a war game, essentially, you know, but with a medieval flair. So early, the, the further you go back, and I don't know any of this by heart, right? I haven't played the early editions much, but well, it, much. Um, it, it used to be a lot more like the math came first, right? The, um, the, the idea of you have a defined thing and you can use it and then you do a, you roll a couple of dice and you do some math and then you have an outcome, right? A lot more board gamey. That's how it started. Then it only over time it de and developed into a tabletop RPG, into a role-playing game, right? And uh, only really like the last like 3.5, third edition, maybe a bit. And then fifth edition now, no one, we don't really talk about fourth edition. Um, only they have really like been pushing and fifth edition specifically pushing the, the role-playing, right? The interaction, the social aspects of it all. And, you know, the major difference to like the, the board games is a board game doesn't have a DM. You know, you want to do something in a board game there is no Follow one the rules. you have you have to have rules right because otherwise if if you make the rules then you're not playing a board game you're but playing a role-playing game also what i noticed there's interpretations to the rules they are sometimes vague so you can agree upon certain ways to interpret them mm -hmm. um th like the limit of uh the amount of players uh, a certain monster hits uh if you miss an attack on that monster or whatever yeah. or in its monster phase um so you can interpret it and kind of make adjust the difficulty for you and your situation depending on how you're doing or how many healing surges you can use. They don't specify it completely depending yep. on the amount of players you have. Uh, so it, it's kind of adjustable a little which bit, is which a is nice. Big part of it. Like one of the best things um, fifth edition does is that they outright state, hey, look, we're giving you a rule set here, right? Because Dungeons and Dragons, the idea is nothing but a set of rules to play a game that is led by someone where you have players, right? The Dungeons and Dragons is only the fluff around it, right? The rules and the fluffy things, the, the things that make yeah. things look nice. And if you read the books, they go, look, we're presenting you with a bunch of rules, but the most important thing is to have fun. And if the rules don't fit your fun, change the rules. The rules are guidelines. You know, yeah. that's sort of, the you can see an element of that in the board games where it's like, hey, we have to make a lot more rules because there's no one you can argue with about them. There's no one you can agree or compromise with uh, on with them. Um, so, but here's a couple of things, you know, think about it, do what well, you want. It's also great because it inspires people to go a bit further and yeah. uh, like potentially then also step over and try the RPG one. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice, like, uh, what, what are they called in English? A sprungbrett. A jumping board, the things stepping you stone. It's a nice stepping stone or gateway. <laughs> yeah, gateway is also good. Gateway is good with the good gateway drug. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you start with you start with the uh, weed dreads, and then you end up with the fifth edition heroin. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's, it's... first grade heroin is the uh, is the uh, really good one. That, that mm -hmm. can, that's what I've read in the, all the rock star biographies. Okay. Yeah, they all go first grade China, I think heroin or something like that. Okay. White China is the name. And where do they all end up? Um, a lot of them in the graveyard. Ah, nah. The people who whose biographies I read. The autobiographies were obviously still around. Um, yeah. 
rehab. <laughs> yeah. Rehab multiple times usually. Yeah, because yeah. drugs fuck up your life. Yeah. The only difference between soft drugs and less soft drugs is how much of them you have to take and how regularly you have to take them for them to fuck you up. I'll drink to that. I, I say that fully being aware that society as we know today probably only exists due to alcohol. <laughs> Adam and Eve just had that, I don't know, champagne beforehand. Listen, man, <laughs> large parts of the like Romans wanting to uh, like conquer the rest of Europe was because they were looking for fertile vineyards to grow more grapes on to have more alcohol. You know? <laughs> I... I will die on this hill. I'm saying, and I'm not saying this to like make, like talk alcohol up. You know, if you don't want to drink alcohol, don't drink alcohol and don't do it if you're not sure that you can, you know, live with the consequences of it. Um, and I, you know, I thoroughly enjoy beer, but a lot of, the, I'll die on this hill. Society as we know today is due to looking to make more alcohol to get more drunk. Especially in these times, because you can have way more alcohol for way less money in terms of going out because you can't go out. So you just get the supermarket <laughs> prices, which is sad, but <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You're not going out of... for cheaper. You're not going out. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> in total, you're spending less on alcohol by with having more alcohol. That honestly, that is probably true. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like a four pack of Guinness pints uh, costs, I think almost six euro or five fifty or so, mm -hmm. which is pretty expensive for beer in the supermarket. However, it's twenty bucks if you get four in a pub. So, yep. you know, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, I've been saving interesting amounts of money on alcohol in these times because Quite. I barely drink anymore. So, that's nice, I guess. But you order food a lot more, I bet. I don't. Well. A lot more than I did before because yeah, before I never did because I didn't have a job. Now that I have a job, I yeah, maybe every two weeks or something. I'll order something. Yeah. For me, like the first two weeks of January, three weeks of January. Yeah, I stopped like a week ago. The first mm -hmm. three weeks of January were like I ordered food every two days. Mm-hmm. Because I was in my new apartment and I don't know, I was just focused on working and settling yeah, exactly. in. And it's just, it's and it was cozy. Good. And there was a statistic that came out in January. The first week of January was already more that, or it's no, it's the most, most ordered uh, week where the most food is ordered. Really? Uh, throughout the year. Yeah. Wow. Right after New Year's. The first <laughs> of January is the day with the most, but that week is like, it's, and it was such a high record for this time because corona was going on yeah everybody was at home and just like chilling so Dude, that that's so weird because i bet it's also i bet how do you think because usually the first week of january is where the most um uh, gym memberships are signed also, do you think that do you think that changed this year because there's no gyms yeah i mean who would have signed up for a gym membership now? Even if you're really looking to work out, you're looking to work out now. So you're going to try and find an alternative because you know gyms aren't open until you can sign up and like start. Maybe some people sign up now because in the hope that they're going to open in two, three weeks. Maybe. I wonder if gyms do like deals right now. You know, you sign up now for 50% less and you essentially gamble on the gym getting to open again at some point. I'm sure they do. That's the only way they can survive to still get revenue in right now, yeah. because Ooh, they'll have, you'll have to uh, 
pay it immediately in those terms, probably. Hmm. There's no uh, way otherwise. I like how you said revenue, which is like a, a very business degree kind of word. And then before we were dicking around trying to explain what went on on the stock market. Did revenue is just, it's a normal word. Mm. Yeah, I make, hello, my name is Scott. And I have a business People degree laugh and, at you, dude. and I make <laughs> revenue. It's a normal word. It's not a, it's, it's a word. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. Now what's your annual revenue? Sounds weird, huh? Speaking of annual revenue, a uh, newspaper release. Okay, wait, let me, before I say this today, now, let me, <laughs> FC Barcelona. Recently, a couple weeks ago, they, uh, the accounting, their accounting documents were released because they're a public, you know, registered company. So they have to release their records on a yearly basis or a quarterly basis to their stakeholders. And uh, it was released that they still had a massive amount of debt, 800 million in debt. Um which is a lot of money because, and it was mostly consistent of huge amounts for failed transfers that they still had to pay off. Um, and in 2017, they were still struggling or they, it was already coming upon them or they were making all these decisions. And then today it came out or two days ago um, that they paid Lionel Messi, his new contract in 2017 was 555 million euros over four years. Um, His yearly fixed salary, excluding excluding bonus, was 168 million. I bet that man's really good at football. They paid him four euros per second. Per second. Yep. Yeah. I must he must be so good at football. Apparently. Question is is he better or like worse than that Cristiano Roland guy? Yes, I know I know what his actual name is. Apparently you have a favorite then. <laughs> I don't I don't even know, dude. I know there are the <laughs> there are the people with the funny t shirts. Ah, they're both good in their own way. Yeah. I'll give props to them. They, they work hard. So, I don't know. Just appreciate what you got. Right? All right, my dude. All right, man. Um, yeah, we're coming to the end of the show. If you couldn't tell. It has been a blast. Um, yeah. There's a lot Anything of else to say? No, not really. No. Nope. Good, good. I'm good. Thanks a lot I'm for joining, everybody. Um, we'll water, be back stay hydrated. next week with the guest, uh, which we shall announce at the beginning of next show. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to find out probably roughly at the same time as we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We usually find out a half an hour before, so we'll be as surprised. Um, yeah, have a good week. Don't let Monday fuck you up too much. And uh, adios, muchachos. I wish you the same. Goodbye, everyone.